Welcome to Path to Story, a Warhammer Age of Sigmar Path to Glory podcast, where we focus on the lore, rules, and storytelling of narrative play. Thank you for joining us once again as we pitch our tents, set up camp, and share our tales from along the Path to Story. Your companions around the campfire this episode are... Hi, my name is Paul, but today I am Gol Kakrat. Red Skull, the secret keymaster of the Acrid Ashmire, and I am part of the Dawnbringer Crusade through Akshi. Hmm. Secret keymaster of the Acrid Ashmire. Acrid Ashmire. So I I feel like what this would be is like he is leading Dawnbringers to like a hold that had been lost at some point. Mm-hmm. And only he has the key. I could see that, right? I mean, like, I was thinking he was, like, some person of power within the Acrid Ashmire. And I'm like, why would you even live there? <laughs> right. <was> terrible. <laughs> it, like, causes the sky to turn yellow. Like, it has across all North America, you know, this Gosh. month. Like, that sounds like a terrible place to live. I like <laughs> your answer better. He's going to try and find this... Uh, nexus of the Akron Ashmire. Yeah, I'm, I'm, he, I'm all down for that. He knows there's a home there. It <laughs> could be like an abandoned warden place and he's going to go unlock it. It's going to smell like rotten eggs, but it's okay. I'll be home. It's always home yeah. to him. <laughs> um, And then I'm Will, but today I am Shadowgo, Jet Guys, menacing hoaxographer of the Unseen Maze. And my Dawnbringer Crusade will be launching out from the realm of Olgu. There, there is a, a whole lot to unpack in there. Hexographer? <laughs> Hoaxographer. Hoaxographer. Of the Unseen Maze. <clears throat> so basically, he's a con man. But he's like made up a, a con man version of the word con man. Hoaxographer. Yeah. Hoaxographer. Well, because it's the Unseen Maze, I like mm-hmm. to think that it's literally just a normal plane. But he has is charging people money. Like, follow uh-huh. me. I know where all the false walls are. You stick mm-hmm. with me and we're good. And he will just like walk a random path and then collect money at the end. I'm just imagining a mime. <laughs> Secret <laughs> Oh no, there's a wall here. Ah, ah, ah. We must go left. <laughs> Don't step right there. <laughs> just to random people. Yeah. Oh man. I, now I want to. I want to see a mime in AOS. Like, that'd be pretty sweet. Uh, anyway, so Will, why why are we recording right now? And number one, there's only two of us. What's going on? Yeah. So what is going on is as you are listening to this, it is the pre-order day for Dawnbringers Harbingers. Ooh. Uh, which is something that Paul and I were gracious enough for GW to send our way. And we wanted to do a review for everyone who's listening. So that way you can get a feel of what's going on in this book. So not to peek too much under the curtain, Will, but I feel like this is the second review we've done of this book. Why are we doing two reviews of the same book? That's a great question. Um, We had the one review over the story phase on the Motor Realms podcast about the lore itself, and now we're going to be talking about the rules 
and how they will affect your Path to Glory games. Because it's a freaking whole new battle pack for Path to Glory in this book. <laughs> yeah, it is. Not like a little bit. Not like, oh, we got like four pages. It's like, no, this is a full on um, renewing of the of the setting uh, almost to me. It, it's super awesome and super exciting. So There are parts of this um, that you're all going to hear that I think should just be like in any narrative event, like moving <laughs> forward. Yes. Um, like it's, I was going to say it's simple. I mean, it's, there's a lot of it cause it's every faction, but mm-hmm. it is, it's just beautiful narrative flavor to add into your games and we're going to get into it. Exactly. All right. Um, do you want to do anything about hobby or anything like that or are you just like super excited to go in and dive into these rules yeah um i'll dive in real quick with a small hobby thing which is we were also given uh the regiment of renown boxes that came out alongside this and my hobby has been building and painting as many ghouls as i can i've gotten (laughs) i've also been going through my old flesh eater court models Mm-hmm. and i've gotten pretty much them all painted nice. except for the ghouls themselves mm-hmm. but i have a lot of like the winged unit the flares mm-hmm. so it's still been a lot of work um but i'm almost done nice well you were you were better than i uh i was able to get my hands on the rabble rouser so uh i've been working on him and having a great time it is number one an awesome model but number two, it's also great because there's a sub-assembly that is super easy to do. So the Ravel Rouser model is a grot, and then he has a squig um, skull on him, and then three little bat squigs flying over him. And the squig skull itself just slots into the model, even without glue. So the skull comes off, so you can just paint the grot and then paint the skull. And it's so much easier than I was afraid it was going to be to paint this model. So um, super exciting. I am grimacing with jealousy. (laughs) The (laughs) narrow scroll herald was not as painless of an assembly. (laughs) I I feel like because he's got like a skin cloak over his body. Yeah, I feel like if you were to take that cloak off and look, there'd be all the bent plastic I needed to do to get him to look the way he's supposed to look. <laughs> and I don't know if that was just because there was a lot of things that were finicky, of like oh, the mold line is like rubbing against this the wrong way, so it's not slotting properly. Ah, small things like that. Nice. Also, the painting had been easy because I had just. <laughs> It got help from my girlfriend who just painted skin on the ghouls. It was her first time painting models. I'm like, it's okay if you miss, because I just use the white contrast for my ghouls. So like, if you hit something that's not skin, I'm going to paint over it. You're fine. <laughs> nice. But yeah, so we had worked on the Regiment of Renown boxes, and the mm-hmm. first section in the rules is Regiments of Renown. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the most part, this section, it's kind of listed like where the core rules would be in like your standard general's handbook or battle tome. Mm-hmm. It's mostly a reprint of what you would find in the White Dwarf article with the Regiments of Renown or on the free resource on Warhammer community page. Super, super sweet. The main thing that's just changed is they're talking about the Regiments of Renown in this book instead of the ones that came out with those publications. Mm-hmm. 
but the rules as a whole have not changed, which unfortunately includes the fact that there are no rules specifically to adding a regiment of renown to your path to glory army. However, there are rules for adding somebody to your path to glory. Yeah. There are special rules for adding something special to your army. And Mm -hmm. if you want rules for adding things to your path to glory army, you can go on to themortalrealms.com and we've got it on a resource in our page. Exactly. So it's also feel free to ignore that and do whatever you want because we made it up. (laughs) (laughs) But we're cool, theoretically. So, you know, you can listen to us, too. It's okay. We can you can use the cool stuff that Will's worked really, really hard on. So or come up with your own rule. And if it's better, let me have it. (laughs) Exactly. Send it to us. We'll just put it on the page. It'll be great. Um, So. The uh, the Path to Glory battle pack that we get is actually a like whole battle pack. It's not a like half battle pack, um, and it it's super cool. Um, and it's titled the Harbinger Harbinger Path to Glory battle pack. So uh, it's named after both the book and also all those little models that you get. Yeah. Um, so what is not included in this is. Um, how to start your path to glory um, uh, list and all that kind of stuff. That stuff is still in the core book, uh, but it is it is a different way of paying, playing path to glory. And it starts out with a whole bunch new battle plans, which is great. Um, and it also talks about uh, a cool new, almost like realm rules. Yeah. Right? Well, yeah, so this is what you would consider realm rules if you were playing any of the White Dwarf campaigns or playing it out of the General's Handbook that are tied to the story of the Harbinger book. Mm-hmm. Uh, first thing out the gate is they have alternating deployment, which is something that's pretty standard for people who play match play games and mm-hmm. I think even open play games. But most Path to Glory battle packs always have like the attacker does theirs and then the defender or vice versa, Mm -hmm. or you split up into groups. Like you have the people who are being besieged and then you have a separate unit of people who deploy later that are like the rescuers. Mm -hmm. So the fact that they are kind of going to alternating deployment, they wanted to make sure that we have the rules because they don't expect us to have a general's handbook, which is nice. Exactly. Yeah, no, it, it, it's nice. We're getting a whole like, new way of doing things a little bit almost here so yeah uh but then the really cool thing that's the realm rule is called a plague of doubt mm-hmm. and it's specific to the shutter blight which is huge in the story of this book uh, essentially nurgle has a plague of despair that is affecting people that the Dawnbringers need to figure out how to deal with and if you're using this battle pack, you're going to have to learn how to deal with it, too. So, hey, Will, I, I swear there's some place that you could go to find out about this Shutter Blight Plague if you wanted to, right? Yeah, if you wanted to find out more, you can listen in to the Mortal Realms podcast story phase episode that comes out the same day this one comes out, but was recorded a week ago. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We're uh, more current people, so we know things, and that, yeah. that's totally fine. Um. <laughs> So uh, the the Plague of Doubt table um, 
also includes an interesting thing. So it says after the deployment, but before the first battle round begins, players roll off and the winner rolls on the following table. This is, I think this is the first time we've had a roll off to see who gets to roll on the table. Yeah, <laughs> which is a little silly and also a little awesome. So I think that's pretty fun. Um, but they're also talking about adding one to the role for each player who has a communication outpost. Will, what is what is that? Oh man! So we're gonna get into the specific communication outpost later on. But what it is is just a special outpost, which we've only seen once before. Uh, they'll give you a lot of cool abilities, but it's essentially cementing your army's narrative in this area. You're basically saying, my army had gone out there, we had built this outpost, it gives us cool benefits. But then you can say later on, like, you know, I actually did participate in the Dawnbringers story. I had an outpost there, and I had to deal with the plague just like everyone else. So it's not the first outpost, right? Because we've seen outposts before. Yes, once before in Seasons of War Thondia, mm-hmm. there we had a, it was a specific Thondian outpost because what they really wanted to hammer in with that was feeling like you're in Gur. Mm-hmm. This is a communication outpost. So while it does tie into the area, a lot of the benefits are about talking to people. Isn't that weird? That I wonder weird. who we're going to talk to. Mm-hmm. Super intriguing. Hmm. Uh, so we'll talk about that in a minute, um, but I think we're going to talk about just this little chart for a second. Um, so it's funny because the realm rules on a D6 roll, one to three, nothing happens. Right? <laughs> yeah. um, and the other thing that was a little bit surprising is I thought this was going to be a cumulative chart. So if you roll four, for example, it's called stick together. So you subtract one from the bravery characteristic of friendly units while they're more than three inches from all other friendly units. Which is yep. cool. Like it starts to actually get into the the, the story itself, um, but it is not not actually cumulative. So you'll only have one of these rules um, that will take effect during the game. Yep. So um, go ahead. Because uh, communication outposts adds on to the roll, you have mm-hmm. options on a d6 for if you roll a seven or higher. I mean, uh, <laughs> that sounds like cheating to me. Right. Not gonna lie. But narratively, my D6 can roll seven. Exactly. Well, it's just like uh I feel like it was Warhammer. Maybe it was first edition Age of Sigmar, because that's when the joke rules were out, where if you rolled mm-hmm. a thirteen on two D six, a scave and you win. Uh-huh. It's great. I love those AOS one rules when they dropped. They were amazing. You had to talk to horses, right? I mean, like it, you had to not kneel. You had to have the coolest hood. I mean, that was my favorite. The coolest hood for Night Goblins. Yeah. I mean, come on. Um, my favorite was biggest mustache. <laughs> of course. I, I can't grow a mustache. <laughs> but you were allowed to have fake mustaches. I think the rule allowed yeah. you to have fake mustaches. <laughs> that would be a fun narrative event. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just bring bring all those goofy rules back. Um, great. But right. yeah, so the there are... Uh, a list of options going from nothing, subtracting bravery. Um, there's one that is a negative to your casting and chanting roles because the whole point is that it is a plague of despair. So mm-hmm. it's going to be a lot of things that mess with people's minds. So bravery, spell casting. Uh, there's even mists that will affect how far you can shoot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, yeah, if it's a seven or higher, 
um you just can't be inspired yeah um it's just not possible just not you know, just not <laughs> having a good day today and it is what it is yeah it's just not happening uh but after we get to the realm rules we get to the titular heroes of this book which are the harbingers mm-hmm. um yeah, so the Harbingers are the four new heroes that came out with the Regiments of Renown. And they also allow you to get those communication outposts. Mm-hmm. The thing with the Harbingers is, in order to get them, you need to go on a quest. Specifically, when you're taking this quest, you need to get a hero that is not participating in the battle. And what they're doing instead of participating in the battle is going out and finding this harbinger. So you're sending someone out to find a hero of legend mm-hmm. to bring back to your army for later. Yeah, it's telling that the, the they talk about it and they said, well, you can include these unit types in your starting order of battle or add them in step seven of the aftermath phase. I mean, come on, how narratively cool is that when we have this Plague of Despair by Nurgle and the step seven of the aftermath phase, you can add them. Uh, so they did a good job there. Um, yeah. But you can only add a Harbinger version of one of these units yeah. by completing the Ages of Upheaval. So we're actually upgrading a little bit, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah, you're taking, instead of just getting a regular Marrow Scroll Herald, you're getting a Harbinger Marrow Scroll Herald. Mm-hmm. Um, and the book, <laughs> I was just telling Paul this, the book is a little bit out of order. So we can talk a bit more about what that actually gives us. Mm-hmm. Um, but the first thing it gives us is it gives us the ability to have a communication outpost. Mm-hmm. So we're going to dig into that just before we get into all the other cool things Harbingers can do. Exactly. Uh, yeah, communication outpost. So if you win a battle using this battle pack and you have a Harbinger... When you get a territory, the way it works in Thondia Uh is you can get a territory and add an outpost to that territory, essentially discovering it. Yeah, you had to actually win a territory. So you had to win a battle to get an outpost. Yeah, you had to win a battle, spend the glory to buy a territory, and then it came with an outpost. Now it's you win a battle. You don't need to get a new territory, but instead you spend some glory uh, it's just five glory to get a communication outpost. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and the other thing is that it talks about communication outposts and it says it allows you to reach out and coordinate support from allied settlements as well as yeah. to access more powerful advanced veteran abilities for the Harbingers. So uh, this one, uh, this outpost is not so much about showing off your power and how strong and how great you are and look at all this, you know, anvil of apotheosis, cool stuff we got going on here. This is a little bit more about um, coordinating with other people and uh, using that to influence your games, which is pretty cool. I mean, it does fit with the idea of the Harbingers to begin with uh, because they do go into um, different allied forces as opposed to just staying within their battle tome, as it were. Yeah. So um, the outpost benefits. What are those? Well, what can you do with this this cool stuff? So first thing you get is you can receive messages from nearby settlements. The way that works is in step six of the aftermath sequence, you roll a die. 
uh, one or two, nothing really happens. Um, but then as you get other roles, you can find ways to basically answer the call mm -hmm. uh, from these other groups. So you, they may request resources, which you would then spend one glory point to an ally, and you would receive what is known as an alliance point. They may have a call for aid, and for that you send a hero that's not participating in a battle, they will go help them out. Mm -hmm. uh, or you may just get a free alliance point if you roll a six. Who doesn't love the free alliance points? Who doesn't I love mean. free alliance points? People who don't know what they are. <laughs> exactly. And then when you have these alliance points, right? Once yep. you've established contact, as it says, and help nearby settlements out, then you can spend them at the start of any Path to Glory battle. For four deployment, you can pick one of the abilities from the tables over the following pages. Spend one alliance point and roll a dice. So you add one to the role of the faction you are requesting aid from is listed as an ally in your faction's pitch battle profiles, which is the first time we've seen, hey, use some pitch battle rules in order to um, influence your uh, narrative gaming. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah. <clears throat> um, but it also implicitly says you can take allies that are not in your pitch battle profiles. What do you think, Will? What do you think that says? So you can get these special abilities if they're not. Yeah. Um, but what I'm saying is because it specifically explicitly says that you can gain plus one if they're in your faction's pitch battle profiles. Do you think that, yeah. that matters for match play or path to glory? Or do you think it gives you a little bit of flexibility for narrative to be like, hey, you know what? I'm going to be trading with this ally. I'm going to be adding this allied unit to my order of battle. What do you think about that? Uh, I think it opens the door for it for sure but i don't yeah. think it is like explicit it just yeah fair we're saying it's not giving you a rule to allow you to bring allied units from armies that are not currently your allies fair fair see will knows the rules much better than i do so that's yeah. why i ask him the question so he can shoot me down because he's right yeah uh, it, so... i don't get me wrong i wish it would uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh but the, the reason because we haven't explained what these bonuses are yet. Mm -hmm. um, so what they are is each faction that exists in Age of Sigmar has a bonus they can give you. And you can use these, like Paul had said, by rolling. If you get a three plus, you can use it in that battle. And it's based on your Grand Alliance. Mm -hmm. So if you are asking for help from the Seraphon, for example... Mm -hmm. uh, they will give you their Astro Matrix Suppression, which once per battle allows you to attempt to unbind an enemy spell anywhere on the battlefield, and you get plus one to the roll. You can take that if you are, say, a Fire Slayer who isn't allied to the Seraphon. Oh, you just blew my mind because I didn't read the rules that right. <laughs> I didn't realize that you can ask for any of these. Yeah, as to long me, as they're this was, in your Grand Alliance. This is the Warlord was from this faction. Oh, oh no, no, no. Oh, yeah. Oh, Paul. <laughs> no, this is perfect. So, because um, the one that really stood out to me, I picked the Seraphon because they're the one with the least allies. Mm -hmm. um, but if you are just any order person, you can call the Caradron and hitch a ride where 
it's basically just like a reserve deployment. You can anywhere in the battlefield, nine inches from any enemy units. But narratively, this unit is flying in on a KO ship. So you could have just anyone you want, uh, Lumineth coming in, hanging off the sides of a ship and like flying into the battle. That's pretty amazing. This is what I'm saying. Like by this is something that I think should be a part of every event. Like everyone should just have the ability to uh, just call it any of these factions. We'll I'll point out a few other examples as we go through from the different grand alliances. I wish I could just say every army, but there's over 20 armies in Age of Sigmar and that's just the whole recording time. And you can request help from every single one of them based on which uh, faction your warlord is from, right? If they have chaos or order. Yep, exactly. So if you are from order, Mm -hmm. any order army you can request aid from, you just get a plus one to your role if they would be a, an ally regularly. Yeah. That's, I, you know, now all I want to do is make some homebrew rules for requesting aid from, say, instead of the Slaves of Darkness, which if you do that, this is still cool. You get that desecrated battlefield. So after deployment, but before the first battle round begins, you can say that the battlefield has been desecrated. If you do so, each terrain feature on the battlefield that has not faction terrain has the damned scenery rule in addition to any other scenery rules it has. Which is cool. But in my head, all I go is like, oh, but what if I requested if I requested aid from Archaon? Right. What would he give me? <laughs> what if I requested aid from Bellacor? What would he give? Like, you know? Yeah. There's a there's a lot of fun things you could do with that. I mean, an idea I had that in no way is going to happen for sure, because I'm uh-huh. only telling Paul now. <laughs> uh but for the gibbering dome every year we have two teams mm-hmm. if your team gave you a bonus you could call upon yeah uh based on whoever the we decide the figureheads are uh Ooh, for that I event like that. that would be super sweet i, I think yeah, we that's definitely like the f- have to do that first thing i thought of well first thing i thought of was the lumineth flying in on the ko ship <laughs> which is second thing, which is awesome second thing i thought of was how can it, like event organizers use what GW has given us to creating like cool narrative events without having to put in that much work. Yeah. No, that's, that's, that sounds super cool. Did you have any ones, other ones from the chaos uh, that you were like, okay, this one is pretty cool. So the Skaven one, they will mm-hmm. steal a command point <laughs> for you. Um which is just perfect. Yeah, start the first battle round, roll a die on a four plus, subtract one from your opponent's command points and add one to your command points. Mm-hmm. It's just, mm, I love it. Yeah, it's just uh, the the uh, the deaf faction, um, Flesh Eater Quartz one is pretty cool. Do you like this one, Will? I love this one. All right, go ahead. You can have this one. Yeah, sorry. Um, it's Spreading Delusion. So once per battle, when an enemy unit receives a command, you can say that they're actually affected by your delusion. And on a four plus, they do not get the command and it is lost. Mm-hmm. Um, I will also say, like while these are super cool, they're also not game-breaking. No. Almost all of them have been once per battle. Or yeah. it's done something with the terrain, which would then affect everyone. It's not like, oh, it's deadly only for your enemy. No, like it's either good or bad for everybody. Yeah. 
which is cool because then it's not pay to win. You don't have exactly. to have this book to do good. I'm doing the heaviest air quotes. Yeah. <laughs> um, I like the Soulbreak Gravelord's ability. Uh, it's called Vampiric Transference. And you, your friendly hero, with if, if they're within one inch of an enemy hero, they can use Vampiric Transference and you roll three dice. For each five plus, that enemy hero suffers one mortal wound and you can heal one wound allocated to that friendly hero. I like that you're just like temporarily a vampire. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like a great deal. I'd like that. Like, give me all the power, but none of the drawbacks. That sounds amazing. I'm trying to think like how that would work like temporarily. And I like to think it's just like they hand you a bat and you just throw (laughs) the bat at someone and they just steal the life and give it to you. Oh, that'd be, that'd be pretty great. Um, It's like, fighting a normal battle with all the confidence and somebody just hurls a bat in your face. What do you do? Think fast! Um, and then, of course, I'm going to be super excited about the Gloom Spike Gits ability. Oh, of course. Uh, hallucinogenic Mushrooms. Once per battle, at the beginning of the combat phase, you can pick one friendly unit and say that they will consume hallucinogenic mushrooms. Like, <laughs> alright, some sons of Bayamat consuming hallucinogenic mushrooms? Oof. That sounds pretty crazy. If you do so, roll a dice on a 3+, add 1 to the attack's characteristic of that unit's weapons until the end of the phase. On a 1-2, to two, that unit suffers Z3 mortal wounds. <laughs> sounds about par for the course, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, I also really like the Sons of Bayamot one, mm-hmm. which is Throne Boulders. After deployment, but before the first battle round begins, pick one terrain feature on the battlefield that is not faction terrain. Roll a die on a three plus. You remove it from the battlefield, and every enemy unit on or within one inch of the terrain feature suffers D three mortal wounds. So I just love the idea of like playing my Hopgrats and Cruel Boys coming into the battle, and then just just an air bombardment from some off screen Mega Gargants just <laughs> ruining someone's defenses. Oh man, off screen Mega Gargant sounds like an awesome. Age of Sigmar metal band. <laughs> I love right. it. So uh, those are really cool abilities that you can do all kinds of fun things with uh, during the game uh, once you have this communication outpost. Uh, so it's a really cool ability that adds a ton of flavor. I think now we're going to kind of go back a little bit and maybe focus on those Harbingers. What do you think, Will? Yeah, because the, the final outpost benefit that the communication communication outpost gives us is you unlock what is called advanced progression for the harbingers mm-hmm. which is the real cool thing with these heroes um, i mean just imagine if you were to use this ability to say allow for character advancement for ample of apotheosis right cool if would only that be? that'd if be crazy only. wouldn't that be crazy anyway yeah. moving on yeah. Um, so what this is, is that those special Harbinger heroes that you're unlocking, the Grimhold Exile, the Harbinger of Decay, the Marrow Scroll Herald, and the Ravel Rousa, they all basically have a level up mechanic. And it's based off of Renown, which is one of the few times where a hero's renown matters Mm -hmm. especially past 15 because 
and base path of glory you get 15 renown you get your command ability or your command trait sorry but like that's it you don't mm-hmm. really get much else other than if you're doing a heroic upgrade mm-hmm. then specific armies would add things in like the ko you get more money from contracts if you have more renown yeah but this is an actual like level up system for these special harbingers yeah and super cool like all right i mean now hear me out here we've both been to the havoc uh abil- havoc uh events right yes right does this not look quite a bit like say <laughs> upgrading your holy havoc warlord huh it does particularly and and the reason why i'm saying that is that Obviously, I'm not saying, hey, GW stole this. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is it's got this really cool thing where um, it has levels of rank, or ranks, mm-hmm. I should say, of Harbingers. And every time that you gain a rank, you can choose a veteran ability. Um, and I yeah. say choose because it is, for example, the notable Harbinger for uh, Fiori, uh, who is the Fire Slayer Harbinger. He can choose to either have the Child of Grimnir veteran ability or the hardy grim uh veteran ability uh so you're actually able to have a couple of different options and let me tell you once you get up to mighty harbinger like there's some super sweet things that you can do with these guys so yeah uh, why don't you talk about it a little bit yeah so the way the ranking system works is from zero to ten renown points you are a rising harbinger you don't really get any special abilities 11 to 15 is when you get your first veteran ability. Then it's 16 to 20. Then once you get to 21 to 25 to be a renowned harbinger, uh, that's where you require the communication outpost. So you can only level up to a certain extent without buying into that outpost. Yeah. And then just to clarify, just to make it clear for the listeners at home, because, Paul, you had mentioned the veteran abilities for Fiori. Fun fact, just to be clear, you don't actually need to take Fiori, but you can just have any Grimhold Exile as your Harbinger. So you can actually come up with your own lone Fire Slayer Dwarden, just in case that wasn't clear for y'all. I mean, which is pretty cool, because then you'd have to come up with a whole hold that's already been destroyed. Exactly. Because that's the background more for these uh these Fire Slayer characters. So Yeah, and if you take the Marrow Scroll Herald, you have to come up with his court and his king and stuff, and that's super cool. If you have to come up with, uh, if you had take a rabble rouser, you just have to be really, really loud and obnoxious <laughs> and tell everybody else what to do. So Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh but uh, these these abilities are super fun and super like very um flavorful as well uh so for example the rebel rouza his notable abilities vicious you can add one to the attacks characteristic of the units moonsickle and basha or you can add two inches to the move characteristic of this unit which both of those are super super grotty and i really like them so yeah yeah and then another good example is the marrow scroll herald um, when he becomes a renowned harbinger, mm-hmm. he can either increase his attacks characteristic with his bone scythe, making him personally a better fighter, 
mm-hmm. or he can become a beacon of inspiration, allowing <laughs> him to issue the rally command once per turn without having to spend the command point. So you can really, you really can have builds like, oh, mm-hmm. I'm going to be more of a combat harbinger, or you know, he's going to be more of a leader kind of character. Yeah, and I love that they're they're allowing you to make choices that will actually determine like how these folks are used in the game. You know what I particularly liked about the Marisco Herald abilities hmm. is that the first four, so the first two ranks are just like, he's kind of a, a, a strong dude and he does kind of crazy things, right? Yeah. But in order to like look at the next four, you have to buy into his madness. <laughs> like, Oh yeah. <laughs> instead of being a horrific presence, he is now a beacon of inspiration. Instead of oh, now yeah. feasting on flesh, he is a regal orator. Right? Like, <laughs> I didn't even notice that. Yeah, the names of the abilities are like more noble the higher up he gets. Uh huh. <laughs> super awesome. Uh, oh, that's yeah. great. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't really notice on the other ones, uh, so it has to be pretty intentional for him. Right. Awesome. Yeah, I'm looking through, and oh, that's funny. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then. You're probably thinking to yourself, like, oh, I need to get a hero that is not my warlord up to 30 renown mm-hmm. to make full use of these abilities. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah, is kind of slow, but they do give you some help in terms of the quests that are available uh, in this book. I had mm-hmm. mentioned one before, which is the Agents of Upheaval. This is where you take your hero on your order of battle that's not your warlord and they go out to find your harbinger at the end of a path of glory battle if that hero was not included in your army you get two quest points and then you roll a die if the roll is less than the number of points you have you complete the quest one of the few instances in the aftermath sequence where you want to roll a one Mm -hmm. Because that means you get it faster. Uh, I really like this because it gives you like a hard set limit. Technically, if you get four games, you will get them automatically. You can't Mm -hmm. roll more than an eight on a D6. And I like it because you don't have to win anything to do it. You just can you can get it right. Like you just have to work for it. Yeah. Which is super cool. They're just out there looking. Mm hmm. But the the interesting thing is that you then, of course, get to add a Harbinger if you make the roll, right? And then it tells you, well, of course, if your Warlord has the order keyword, you need to have Grimhold Exile. However, you add a note to that Harbinger on your order of battle that specifically says this one is the mm-hmm. Harbinger. Yep. Uh, and there's also a little designer's note, which I think this is amusing, right? BG dubs harbingers of decay yeah 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 we know you can already have harbingers of decay on your order of battle however this is great we assume that the one with the harbinger note carries the greater portion of the grandfather's favor (laughs) yeah yeah i love that they they baked that in like Mm -hmm. we know we're we're using the name but but it's so cool and you can still do it exactly yeah well i like that that it takes a quest to get the special version because if you're someone like me who's doing a flesh eater quartz army 
mm-hmm. and you just want the Marrow Scroll Herald, like from the get go, or even as your warlord, mm-hmm. you can do that. But then you need someone else to go get the special Marrow Scroll Herald. Um, I'm just imagining this missionary arm of the Flesh Eater Courts. It's all Marrow Scroll Heralds. Yeah. <laughs> They're all there to spread the word of the Summer King. Exactly. He's coming back. You heard it here first, second, and third at this point. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, we also have the second quest, which is spread the word. Um, and at the end of each Path of Glory battle, you add one quest point to the progress section of your quest log if a friendly harbinger is either contesting an objective or is wholly within enemy territory. And you can only take this one if you have a harbinger already on your order of battle. Yep. Um, but in addition, you, at the end of your Path to Glory battle, you can have, spend one glory point to gain one additional quest point. Once you have gained three or more quest points, you complete this quest. Add D6 Renown to your Harbinger. In addition, if you have an Ancient Roads territory, you can upgrade it to a trade route without spending any glory points, which is kind of fun. Yeah, which is... It makes it so interesting to me because uh, what that does is the I forgot the words already the ancient roads territory allows you to increase your allies limit by one mm-hmm. and then when you upgrade it to a trade route it lets you increase it to three instead of one so you're able to bring more allies which is super cool but then they still didn't have the rules for regiments of like how to cleanly put them in two so even though there's not like official rules i feel like their intention is Oh yeah, you get your roll, your ancient roads. Mm-hmm. This person goes, they upgrade that, and then you can bring in um, the regiment of renown that they're a part of. Exactly. I mean, and and in the rules, it does give you um, the uh, the battalion in order to make regiment of renown as well. Yep. So, uh, which is only a max of four units. So if you have that harbinger because you were able to gain him, three allied units would get you enough to have the rest of the regiment of renown. So. Because the Harbinger is not listed as an ally. Nope. They're just on your order of battle, as they would normally be, which is super cool. Yes. Especially for the reason you mentioned. It makes it a lot easier for bookkeeping to get those larger regiments of renown. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I think this is super awesome. Uh, when we got Fondia, we got the uh, Fondian Anvil of Apotheosis, which is kind of the big thing. Um, for me, this Harbingers is awesome uh, because when we saw when we got the Fondia Anvil of Apotheosis, we'd kind of already seen that before. Um, yeah. But what I love about this is that it really um, goes back to me to talking about uh, the first... Um, Age of Sigmar rule set into the second one when we got um, not Broken Realms, when we got uh, the Necroquake. Yeah, we Malign Portance. When we got Malign Portance, we had these little stories like we're getting now, which is super cool. And we also had four specific heroes uh, that were we were following their story of. Um, so I love that those four specific heroes are not just like, oh, here's some rules to get that you do some cool stuff in your games. 
now we get to upgrade them and make them do cool stuff. I I, I yeah. love that. Um, uh, number one because like all four of these models are super sweet. <laughs> so, oh my gosh! Yeah. So being able to spend more time and attention on playing them and painting them is never a bad idea. But then like to tell their story, I, I feel like it just it brings you in even more to the perpetual now of this narrative that we're living through at this moment. So I yeah. think it's super awesome and engaging. Um, and it's super cool if you are someone who is playing the army as it is, like if you are doing gits and are bringing a rabble rouser and mm-hmm. upgrading them. But also think of like the narrative options you now have if you're not playing that faction. Let's mm-hmm. say, for example, you are a City of Sigmar army. And I'll go a step further and say you are Settler's Game. Mm-hmm. You've got your Cities of Sigmar units you can take. You've got your Lumineth units you can take. You've got your Stormcast units you can take. Mm-hmm. You've got your Fire Slayer Harbinger that you can take. And then you yep. can call for aid from the Caratron using your communication outpost. Suddenly, the different areas uh, and different factions you're able to just touch mm-hmm. has like widely opened up, um, allowing you to interweave your story and cementing it even deeper into other parts of the Age of Sigmar. Well, and also just think about how um, you could do some cool little conversions to mark the cool things that have happened for this specific unit, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> Excuse me. So say you played a game where Lumineth did ride on, ride in on a KO boat. What if you added some KO bits to yeah. that unit to talk about like that, you know, awesome ride of the Valkyries or whatever, like how cool would that be? And And then you could just continue on every single time that you added more and you create this awesome story uh, of these moments of you playing the game. And like at the end of the day, that's what narrative gaming really does well is it really creates these memorable tidbits of story. So you can do all kinds of cool stuff with that. Yeah. And I feel guilty saying this idea. Uh Oh, because I feel like it's going to happen again. Yeah, again. Twice in in one week. He's referencing that I showed him the from Black Talon Mm -hmm. the image of the giant beetles pulling a metalith. And then a week later, he built one. Yes, exactly. Uh, It's not as big, so that's fine. But for example, when you're talking about conversions and things you can do, Mm -hmm. if you are playing, let's say, Olgor Ma tribes, and you bring in a rabble rouser. You could put the rabble rouser on the shoulders of an ogre so he can talk louder. Uh-huh. And or, you know, a little narrative. a mega gargant. Yeah, yeah, put him on a mega gargant. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking an ogre because maybe he, then he can fit on the same base. See, I was thinking mega gargant because there's actually a, uh, a Age of Sigmar Black Library audiobook where there is a Mega Gargant that has a Grot on his shoulder already. So oh, I've been perfect. wanting to do that conversion for a while. <laughs> perfect. Oh, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, like you have a lot of opportunities, especially with the communication outpost, on having your army themed around the fact that you have all these cool allies, but then mm-hmm. also taking your Harbinger and theming them to fit into your army better. Absolutely. You could do a lot of fun stuff with this. So, yeah. Um, 
And those are the Harbinger rules. Mm-hmm. Uh, next is the different battle plans that came in the battle pack, which yep. are super cool. Like, I'm trying to find the right words for this. Because um, when you look at, like, the narrative battle plans compared to, like, your match play general's handbook stuff, they obviously have more theming to them, but it's all, like, pretty standard in the core rulebook. This is just, like taking it to 11 just like the next step even more so than i think in the thondia book because the thondia battle packs had a lot to do with like oh yeah incarnates let's bring those in there we have wandering monster rules let's have a few of those they don't necessarily base these around the fact that you have harbingers there is like one i was gonna say maybe two but i don't see a second one (laughs) <laughs> oh, there we go two there are two battle plans that when you're rolling for an objective you get a bonus if you have a harbinger other than that it is just pure narrative fun mm-hmm. um is there any that stick out to you paul well i i say i mean all of them are pretty cool yeah um but the one that kind of did stick out to me is uh staging grounds that's the first one okay um and the reason why I like it is because it's very much like um, a a set of rules that I played a long time ago for a game called Hinterlands, uh, mm. where uh, you were trying to grab a piece of treasure, basically, and run off of the board with it. But instead of treasure, we're trying to grab some secret plans and run off the board with it. Uh, So there's only one objective in this game. And the objective is in the very middle of the board. And the middle of the board is surrounded by the guards' territory. And then the infiltrator's territory is on the outside. And so what you have to do is you have to take the infiltrator and get into the guard territory and get a hero into uh, basically three inches of the secret plans and roll a dice and hopefully pick it up. And if you do, you can try and run away. But if you don't, um, then you just kind of have to sit there and hope that it works out. So I just love the idea of, like, this is a heist. Like, this is the heist scenario where you're trying to break into the guarded vault, but they know you're coming, but you still got to try and see if you can make it work. So super cool and awesome. I love that one a lot. Yeah. Uh, And the one... That really stands out to me is I feel like another callback to all of like the famous battles that have taken place in Warhammer Fantasy mm-hmm. that happen to happen at a pass. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to I can't remember any of the specific names like Blood Skull Pass probably sounds like one. Mm-hmm. Battle um, for the Pass. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so this one is called Blackfire Pass. Blackfire yeah. Pass. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Blood Skull Blackfire. Same thing. Um, but it's like that classic battle idea. Everyone's on each side. Then you actually block off sections of the map, basically saying like, oh, this is like the chasm or the ravine or whatever it is that makes this a pass. We're blocking off the map. You have less area to fight over and it's just a huge scrum for the central objective and you just get points for controlling it. Uh, And then all the territory you place you don't roll for like the territory mysterious terrain rules 
it's just all deadly. This mm-hmm. map is funneling you into kill zones where you beat the snot out of each other. And I love that. Mm-hmm. Uh, just yeah. taking away any pretense of objectives or strategy or anything. <laughs> like you, you have your toys and they're going to hit each other. Exactly. Because that's true. It's, it's a war game. We should be fighting wars. Yeah. It, it's great. And we get six of these uh, scenarios. So that is also awesome. Just six more battle plans um, is great. I still have to say my favorite one that we played this year is that one where you had the, like the bingo effects where you're trying to do both. But yeah, I also like that they're using this grid uh, system now and being very clear that this is how we set up battles and uh, this is where the territory is and everything. It makes yeah. it a lot easier than putting out dice and trying to not move them and stuff like that. So I um, agree. And not something we're going to talk too much about because mm-hmm. this is a narrative play podcast, but some very narrative fueled battle plans will also be found available in the general's handbook that also comes out today. Mm-hmm. So if you like frozen things, go there and then come yeah. back here. Yeah. We're still in Gur, and we've moved to a completely different place in Gur, which is super cool. Um, yeah. And it, the other thing uh, I think that is a, kind of interesting is that um we went from antor which is where we are now before we were in gallant before that uh we were in fondia right yeah because we were in gallant twice exactly so um so when we were in fondia we had both of the the match play and the narrative in the same place at the same time right yeah but now we're kind of diverting. We're still in the same realm-ish, uh, but now we're diverting even more because narrative play is now switching to uh, we're going into um, Akshi and we're going into Garan yeah. while match play is staying in Gur. Um, so if you're looking for a little bit more diversity of playing styles, we've got three different realms, theoretically, we might be seeing some rules for. Um, so that should be super cool and and and, and fun. Um, so, yeah. yeah, I like. I know some people have talked about like, oh, I'm getting you know bored of Gur right now. Mm-hmm. But if you take everything that's been released for this edition, you've got just standard Gur with beasts, which is mm-hmm. cool. You've got the tunnel fighting of Gallet, the frozen waste of Antor, and now we're coming to the plague ridden lands of uh, Gairan with Harbingers. Mm-hmm. And potentially, since we know this book series is Gairan and Akshi, potentially rules for Akshi in a future book. Exactly. So we, we do have a wealth of cool areas that we can play on that are officially supported. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're, we're really going to town on this. So that's super cool. Um, and I, yeah, I can't wait to get some games in with these because it, it really adds a lot to the game, I think, and just a lot of flavor. and it it's awesome to have that flavor be so stuck into the present moment. So it's yeah. very cool. We had kind of joked about this before, but I also just love like the different mechanics that they are providing us. These mm-hmm. foundations I talked about, like hopefully more uh, event organizers use these. Um, but one thing we've been talking about on the show in the past was, Oh, wouldn't it be cool to do some sort of like mercenary stuff with regiments of renown? Mm-hmm. And we had the idea of like paymasters 
And so I am just taking the idea of being able to rank up through Renown and just giving that to the Paymasters. Because it's awesome. It's a great it's idea. super cool. I'm definitely more simplified. I couldn't think of multiple choices for five levels. So you get one choice for four levels. But um, I really hope that other folks that are creating content for Age of Sigmar are looking at these things and like using that same shared language that mm -hmm. Games Workshop is giving us to create their own cool new things, like just to layer on top of it. Exactly. In game design, we talk about a lot about using different levers. Yeah. And I think it's it's super interesting to use those same levers at the same time because it, it I, I think it's just, it's cool. And we're going to see more cool stuff coming out later. We're going to see all this engaging stuff um, moving forward as well. But it's just, it's super fun to be able to enjoy the new mechanic yeah. before you know oh it's old news or it moves on like it it it's cool that we have these mechanics that are defining the the perpetual now right in gaming as we're having these lore stories that are defining the perpetual now yeah. in in the story yeah and i see there are two like possible things that could happen with the future books that mm -hmm. give me a little worry yeah and it's going to be one of the two the first is oh, what if the next book that comes out in the fall has just as cool of a battle pack and then people will kind of move on to that. Like you said, it's gonna. Mm -hmm. this book will be the now and the summer. I think people should still come back to it, even if there mm -hmm. is other cool new stuff. The worst option is if they don't do the same thing. <laughs> I want this, like if they put this amount of work into the rules they have for the next three books that we know they have for yeah. Dawnbringers, narrative players are going to be spoiled even yeah. if like the second book is more match play focused mm -hmm. but it has the same amount of effort put into it that would be awesome like yeah. it's still the amount of work they've shown here and the love and support they're still giving this game especially mm -hmm. the narrative aspect because there are no match play rules in here there are core mm -hmm. rules and narrative rules um but the fact that they're showing all this love is super cool and yeah. I'd love to see what else they've worked on for this. Well, and, and the thing for me that is super exciting is like, as we're recording this, this is the, this is the launch date for Leviathan. Like everybody's getting their new narrative for 40 K and to get our own narrative thrust a week later, super awesome. <laughs> like both systems are now going into some kind of like new unexplored territory at the same time uh, with yeah. these big thrusts. And that's just amazing. Yeah. Yeah, because with Leviathan Box, they have their online narrative that players can actually influence, which is super mm -hmm. cool, where a planet will survive or die. And here we know we have two crusades where one will survive and one will die. Mm. Both systems, it's not just that we're getting our new narrative thrusts, we're also getting narrative thrusts that we are following along with, where we're told one thing at the beginning and there's mm -hmm. going to be something new at the end, and we're all along for the ride. Yeah, super awesome. All right, um, I I I think am spent on all, <laughs> all the things there is to talk about, um, just because we've already done uh, a lore review. Uh, I I really want to talk about the lore again. 
but this is mm-hmm. not the place to be talking about the lore. Right. Go listen to the Mortal Realms review of it. Uh, it'll be super. I'm also close to spent, but also we're at the end of the rules for the book, so it's fine. But this is my third recording in, yeah, third recording in seven days. <laughs> because next week you will hear our regularly scheduled Path to Story episode that was recorded before this book. So it's in the future, but it was recorded in the past. Yeah. Yeah, but it, it is funny. Three recordings, dancing around the same topic, coming out on different times from when they were recorded. So that's always fun. Exactly. Um, yeah. Any any final notes at all, Paul? Uh, super awesome. Can't wait to see where this goes forward, both rules-wise and lore-wise. I, I think it's going to be amazing. Yeah. I say pick it up. Take the rules, give it to your groups, and use them as much as they can because the the cool options, especially with calling for support, I think mm-hmm. will give people a lot of really cool story ideas. Absolutely. Well, dear listeners, our fire has at last burned down to embers and we must take to the path once more. If you enjoyed your time with us, consider leaving us a positive review on your podcast platform of choice. Or you can leave a tip over on our Patreon at themortalrealms.com slash Patreon. If you'd like to share your stories with us, you can head on over to our Twitter at Path to Story, or you can chat with us on our Discord at themortalrealms.com slash Discord. Finally, if you'd like to keep us company on the road, Paul, where can they find you online? At PJ Shard. And you can find me online at Age of Sever on Twitter. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you again real soon. It's